welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. All right, let's open your Bibles if you got them to Luke chapter 19. Today is Palm Sunday. Say Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Palm Sunday. And I love, I love that we have um, new believers with us because that means that we get to explain what these things are. Because maybe you grew up in the church and maybe you know what Palm Sunday is, but guess what? Not everybody knows what Palm Sunday is. Like somebody who doesn't know Jesus might think that Palm Sunday is when you bring in palm trees and talk about palm trees. I don't know, Drew. I don't know what they think, but not everybody thinks the same things. So we're going to talk about what is Palm Sunday, why it's important, why we celebrate it. So Palm Sunday, the Gospel of John tells us, is six days before Jesus went to the cross. So we celebrate that today, the Sunday before Good Friday. And in Luke chapter 19, we're going to look at this account, starting in verse 28. This is called Jesus' triumphal entry. That's a mouthful to say, but if you try really hard, you can't say it. Verse 28 says, After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples, and he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, and he sent two disciples ahead. And he said to them in verse 30, Go into that village over there, and as you enter it, you're going to see a young donkey tied up that nobody has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anybody asks, why are you untying that colt, just say. And I want to tell you, this is my favorite joke to make as a pastor. The Lord has need of it. And so I just love to say, hey, just go take that. And if anybody asks what you're doing, say the Lord needs it. Go to that store, go grab that, and they say, what are you doing? You say, the Lord needs it. It's okay. The Lord needs this. Jesus said, go over there, go find that donkey, and just say to them, the Lord has need of it. Hmm? Yeah, I was just going to say, it doesn't really work out in real life very well. Like, if you go to Home Depot and try that, it doesn't work. If you go to McDonald's and order your food, and then they say, okay, it's $9.76, and you say, the Lord has need of it, just give it to me. They're not going to say, okay. They're going to say, no, you got to pay first. So he says, the Lord needs it. So they went in verse 32, and they found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying this colt? <coughs> verse 34 says, and the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. Now let's pause here for a second. And Jaden, do I have Zechariah 9.9 in there? I think I do. I'm going to talk about it just for a second anyways. <clears throat> Zechariah 9.9 is a quote. Look in the next slide. I think it might be down there. There you go. And it says this. This is Zechariah 9.9. It's talking about Jesus. And it says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph. O people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So Jesus went and got this donkey because this was a prophecy about him, and this is why he needed it. Now, here's the interesting, interesting thing about a donkey, a colt. A colt, a donkey, symbolizes if a king came into the city riding a donkey, he was coming in peace. If he showed up in your city riding on a horse, what do you think he was there to do? Mm -hmm. He 
was there to come and fight, bring order, take things over. Jesus shows up in Jerusalem riding a donkey because he is the prince of peace, the Bible tells us. And he is coming in peace. So it was important that Jesus shows up riding on a donkey for two reasons. One, because this prophecy was about him and he was fulfilling the prophecies that were spoken in the Old Testament about him. And two, because he was symbolizing that he was coming in peace. So then in verse 36, it says, As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they see. Now, verse 36 says, As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments. So they would take their cloaks and they would put them down on the ground before his donkey so that his donkey was stepping on these cloaks. The Gospel of John says that they were waving palm fronds and they were putting these palm things down on the ground. So there was was cloaks, there was people's clothes, and there was palm fronds. They were laying on the ground for Jesus to enter the city on. This is where the term Palm Sunday comes from because Jesus was a king that was entering the city and these people were were giving him the kingly treatment. They didn't want Jesus walking on the dirt. They didn't want Jesus walking on the ground. So they took their jackets off. They took their cloaks. They took palm trees, not palm trees, palm fronds, sorry, big difference. Palm fronds laid them on the ground so the donkey was walking on these things. And as Jesus entered the city, he's walking on these things. Palm fronds, In the Roman culture, because this is when Rome was around, in the Roman culture, palm fronds symbolized victory to the Romans. And it's really interesting when you think about Jesus coming into the city and the people putting down these palm leaves in front of him as he walks, symbolizing the victory that he's about to go and do. We're celebrating today what Jesus came to do. We're moving into Easter. Good Friday is on Friday. Easter is next Sunday. This whole season is about what Jesus did for us, what we have through the cross. And this is the beginning. Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem, and he's coming as a king. Now let's go on. Let's keep moving through Luke chapter 19 here. Verse 38 says, Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Now, in John chapter 12, verse 13, it says, So they took the branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. So these people, picture this in your mind. Picture Jesus coming into the city. Picture the desert of Israel, okay? Picture Jerusalem. All these people see Jesus coming. They're taking off their cloaks to put him on the ground. They're waving these palm fronds at him as he walks by. They're putting him on the ground for him to walk by. And these people, are ch- they're shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna. The Hebrew word for Hosanna means this, save now. So they're shouting out to Jesus, save now, save now, save us now. Hosanna, Hosanna. As Jesus is entering the city of Jerusalem to go to the cross. Verse 39, back in Luke chapter 19, some of the Pharisees among the crowd got mad and they said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replies in verse 40, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. And suddenly in verse 41, it's just a weird sentence. But as he came closer to Jerusalem, talking about Jesus, and he saw the city ahead, Jesus begins to weep. So 
So picture this. Jesus is on a donkey. People everywhere. The Gospel of John tells us that there was people of everywhere for two reasons. Number one, they had all gathered for the Passover. That's coming later this week. That's why they're all there. They went to Jerusalem to have this Passover. The second reason is the Bible in John chapter 6 tells us the day before is when Jesus raised Lazarus from the tomb. Do we know about Lazarus? Lazarus, come forth. If you don't know who Lazarus is, you should go find Carmen on YouTube, and he does a great song about Lazarus. If anybody who knows who Carmen is, whew. do you know who Carmen is? Oh, my gosh. You know who Carmen is? I did not think you were old enough to know who Carmen is, but dude, good for you. Who doesn't know who Carmen is? Jamie? No, I do not believe this. Okay, Carmen is this amazing Italian musician from the 80s and the 90s, and he has these amazing story songs with videos that go along with them. You need to go home and Google Carmen today and watch some of these songs. But the day before is when Jesus just raised Lazarus from the tomb. So all these people are in Jerusalem because of Passover, and they're all coming out to see Jesus because, hey, this guy just raised the guy who's been in the tomb for so many days, and now here's this guy walking around, and here's the guy who did it. Let's go check it out and see who it is. So there's people everywhere. So they're crowding around Jesus. He's on a donkey riding it. They're all cheering and shouting, yay, yay, Jesus, Hosanna, save us. Woo, Jesus is here. And in the middle of that, Jesus comes up the top of this mountain, looks down, and the Bible says he begins to weep. And that weep doesn't mean, so sad in my heart right now. That word weep in the Greek means he is bawling, he's sobbing, he is weeping. Verse 42, Jesus begins to talk and he says, How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace, but now it's too late. The peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against you, your walls that encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you in the ground and your children, will, children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. What Jesus is talking about here is what happened in 70 AD, which was the second destruction of the temple when the Romans invaded and they sieged Jerusalem. And they took it over and they destroyed it. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed the city. And this is what Jesus is talking about, what's going to come. But let's, talk, let's look at this last phrase here. Because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. Jesus is weeping as he looks out. Now, it's interesting to me. Here's, here's what's interesting. There's people everywhere cheering, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Go back to, go back to um, verse 38, Jaden. And it says, um, Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest heaven. These people are cheering Jesus, saying this about him. And in the middle of all this, Jesus is weeping because they did not accept their opportunity for salvation. And it seems to be a contradiction until you stop and realize what is actually taking place. You see, the Jews in that day were looking for a Messiah, but the Messiah they were looking for, they thought was going to come and be an earthly king and save them now, as in Hosanna, save us now. They thought he was coming to redeem them from the Roman uh, occupation. 
They didn't realize that Jesus was coming to save their souls, to give them eternal life, to bring healing to them, to bring life, to break off the shackles and the chains that hold us down. So Jesus is weeping because all they're looking for is a natural earthly kingdom. And Jesus is saying, I'm here trying to do so much more. Yes, I'm here to save you now, but it's not the way that you think. How many times do you think in our human nature when God has spoken to us and Jesus has spoken to us and said things to us that we put our own spin on it and say, oh, this is how God is going to work what he just said. And how many times do you think Jesus stands there and weeps saying, you are missing the invitation. You are hearing this and you are trying to make it work on your own might and your own strength. And you are trying to figure out how my plans and my purposes are going to come to pass in your life. But in reality, it is way beyond what you are thinking or understanding. And I am trying to save you now in a way that maybe you don't even realize you need. Now let's back up to chapter 19 and go to verse 1. And I want to show you a second entry. And I want to show you how this one looks a little bit different. Verse 1, chapter 19, is about our wee little friend Zacchaeus. You know Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he... He climbed up in a sycamore tree, the Lord he wanted to see. Do you remember singing that song? Don't you love these Bible songs when you were in kids' church? They just stick with you. I don't know how, but it just gets deep down inside of you. And at the strangest times, Tristan, they come out. So just wait, buddy. You'll get your turn. Luke chapter 19, verse 1, Jesus enters Jericho and he made his way through the town. So he's entering. This is another entry Jesus is doing. This is before Jesus has entered Jerusalem, okay? So verse 2 says, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. Now I want to point something out to you. We know that people thought it was bad for Jesus to hang out with Zacchaeus because he was a tax collector. But beyond that, here's what Zacchaeus Zacchaeus was. He was a Jew who was working with the Roman government. And so in their eyes, he had betrayed them. And he had stole from people to make himself rich, and he had done all kinds of things he shouldn't have. And so he was a dirty, filthy man in their eyes. Uh, Verse 3 says, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but darn it, he was just too short to see over the crowd. Poor little Zacchaeus. Have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been at a concert? Have you ever been to some venue where you're trying to see something and you just can't see because you're too short? I mean, I haven't. It doesn't happen to me often. It's very rare that it happens to me. It happens to Jen a lot. Jen wears heels. <clears throat> Jesus is trying to get a look at Zacchaeus, but he can't because he's too short. So what does Zacchaeus do? Being the uh, ingenious guy that he is, he's like, I'm going to solve this problem. Verse 4 says, so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, can we just pause here? Now, today, it isn't any big deal for me to say, um, I'm going to go run over there and go climb that tree and do that. You'd be like, oh, 
okay, I mean, that's a little juvenile for Jake to climb a tree, but that's what he wants to do, cool. And he's gonna run there, no big deal, probably just wants to get a jog in. But in the Bible times, men did not run. I don't know if you know this or not, but they didn't run. It was shameful because they would have to hike up their, their cloaks, right? They wore like those robe-looking things, and for them to run, really, have you ever tried running in like a cloak? Your legs go like this far. So try doing that fast. So they would have to pull up their cloaks like way above their knees so they could run, like mid-thigh, to get a really good run going on, right? Because you can't, you can't really run if you're, if you're wearing a tight dress like down here. I've never worn a dress, I'm just assuming. So he hikes it up, and he commits this shameful act, and he runs ahead to this tree. Just think about the people who saw Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, who was so rich and so esteemed by so many people, the Roman people, and he's running down the road. Don't you think, man, what is happening? What is Zacchaeus doing? First of all, this tiny little guy is running down the road, and he's got his dress all hiked up. But he doesn't stop there. What does he do? He climbs the tree. And you know to climb a tree, he's got to keep that thing hiked up. Because you can't climb a tree in a tree, am I, in a dress. You, you can climb a tree in a tree, but you can't climb a tree in a dress. Am I right, ladies? Have you tried climbing a tree in a dress? You have. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. So Zacchaeus hikes his, his whatever is his tunic, hikes it up, and he climbs this tree. He's breaking all the social norms. He's saying, I don't care. I need to see Jesus, and I got to do whatever I got to do to see him. So if I look foolish running down the road with my clothes pulled up, I'm going to look foolish running down the road. And if I look like a weirdo and people can see up my skirt when I climb a tree, I don't care. This is how bad I need to see Jesus. Verse 5 says, when Jesus came by, he looked at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, come down quick. I must be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus is sitting up in the tree. Jesus is walking along. Stops. Oh, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I've got to go to your house today. I've got to go to your house today. And let me tell you this. Isn't it interesting to you how Jesus saw Zacchaeus sitting up there and called him by name? We don't see Jesus encountering Zacchaeus anywhere else in the gospel. But Jesus is strolling along and he sees Zacchaeus up in that tree and he says, I am coming to your house. I must be a guest in your home today. Come down as quick as you can. Let's go. And let me tell you today, there are some of you here today and I want you to hear this and I want you to know this. Jesus knows your name and Jesus sees you sitting up in the tree. Some of you are saying in your life, I got to get up high. I got to see Jesus move and I got to get up there so I can do it because down here I can't see anything. But if I just get up in that tree, I know I'll get up top and I can look down and I can see him. He may not see me. He may not know I'm there, but I'm going to look at Jesus. And Jesus strolling along. He says, I see you up there. I see you hiding up there. Come down because today I'm going to your house. <clears throat> and I'm telling you by the spirit of God, there's some of you here today that need to hear that. That Jesus is saying to you, I am coming to your house. I see you up there, and I know your name, and I'm going to come have dinner with you. I'm going to come sit at your table. We're going to talk about life together. We're going to talk about the things that you're facing, the things that you're dealing with, and we are going to walk through this together, and I'm going to bring salvation to your home. 
Verse 6 says, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took joy, took Jesus to his house. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down. So again, at this point, people are all standing around. They're all watching Zacchaeus climb down this tree, but he does not care. You know what? We're beyond the place where we need to care about what other people think about us. What we need to care about is Jesus. What we need to care about is when Jesus says, I'm coming to your house, we need to get down from wherever we're at as fast as we can so that we can meet and spend time with Jesus. Because only in the presence of God and only with Jesus will you find what it is you're looking for. Only with Jesus does salvation come. Only with Jesus does healing come. Only with Jesus does hope come. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with in life. It doesn't matter the sickness, the mental illnesses you're dealing with, the emotions, the hurt, the shackles, the chain. It doesn't matter what those things are because when you sit down at the table with Jesus, your life changes. I got to come to your house today. Zacchaeus quickly climbs down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were upset and displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. How dare you, Jesus? How dare you go sit with a notorious sinner? He's dirty. He's filthy. He's a cheater. He's a liar. He works with the Romans. He's betrayed the Jews. How dare you? Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus' response. I want you to hear this. Think about later on in the scripture, in this section of verse, where Jesus is weeping because they didn't receive the invitation. He's crying because they don't realize what Jesus is there to do. Weeping, blubbering, tears streaming down his face. And here in this story, Jesus responds to Zacchaeus and he says, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. So many times we put our own desires and expectations, we put our own filters, feelings and emotions on what Jesus is going to do and how he's going to do it. You need to see Jesus move in my life. So he's, I mean, there's, he can't do it this way. He can't do it that way. There's an obstacle this way. So he's going to have to do it this way. And what you end up doing is you end up limiting Jesus because you're putting him in a box, saying, hey, I'll help you. Hey, I'll help you. In my natural earthly brain, I can do this and I can do that and I'm going to help you. And he says, no, no, no. We need to do it this way. You don't want to limit Jesus. You want Jesus to be able to move however he needs to move in your life. And our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions and our capabilities and our capacities cannot comprehend what Christ can do, will do, and wants to do when you receive his invitation. The Jews didn't receive his invitation and he was weeping. Zacchaeus, when Jesus said, hey, 
come down. I've got to go to your house today. Come down. I, got, I must be a guest in your home. Jesus is saying to you today, I must be a guest in your home. Think about that. Jesus, you want to be a guest in my home? He's like, yeah, I want to come and sit down with you. I want to talk to you. I want to be with you. I want to be where you're at. I want to walk through those situations with you. That thing you're dealing with, that family member, those feelings you have, those emotions that you're dealing with, that money problem you got, that sickness you're dealing with, your crazy aunt that you don't know what to do with, Whatever you're dealing with, I want to walk through it with you. And all you have to do is receive the invitation from Jesus. There's two different entries we looked at in this one chapter. And one looked amazing, right? One, the people were coming from everywhere to see Jesus. They're chanting his name. They're saying, save now, save now, Hosanna, you're going to save us. You're here to save us. But they had their own ideas of how Jesus was going to do that. The second guy climbed up in a tree and had no idea, no expectations, didn't know what was going to happen. He only knew that he had to see Jesus. That's all he cared about. He forgot about what it would look like to run. He forgot about what it would look like to hike his skirt up and run down the street and climb a tree and all that kind of stuff. He didn't care because he knew more than anything else what he needed was to see Jesus. And I'll tell you what, when Jesus sees that kind of eager anticipation, he always notices. It's just like the lady with the, the issue of blood, right? The Bible said she crowded around, there's people crowded around him, she touches him, there was tons of people touching him, but Jesus noticed her touch, didn't he? He didn't say anything, about, anything else about anybody else touching him. All those people. That wasn't the point. The point was he noticed someone who was eagerly anticipating something from him. And she touched him eagerly anticipating life and healing and wholeness. Stand up with me. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.